So today, uh, we're going to get a little more uh, practical, uh, down to practice. Uh, we've discussed the, the necessity of chanting on the clearing stage, and that simply by doing that we can come to the Brahma-Bhuta stage, the liberated stage, and then make further progress for advancement. Uh, so now to how to execute the clearing stage, the, the clearing of offenses. Well, the first thing, of course, is to know the ten offenses. And uh, in, in, in I think every temple in America, I'm uh, we, we recite them every morning uh, as part of the, the morning program. We sit down and, and we all recite them. I, I noticed that in Europe I didn't see that happen except in, in one temple. But uh, at any rate, uh, um, one should know these offenses. And uh, I would recommend not only knowing them but, uh, and having them memorized, but thinking about them <laughs> quite seriously. Um, because it's when these ten offenses are present and one is not trying to do anything about them that uh, one remains in the state of nam aparad. As soon as, uh, as soon as one uh, earnestly strives to clear up these offenses, then you're on the clearing stage uh, right away. So I've included, uh, I've included for your understanding um, uh, the um, the ten offenses. When the Sanskrit, they originally come from the Padma Purana. Actually, and they enter into uh, to our uh, sampradaya because they're quoted by uh, Rupa Goswami in our law book, uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, a nectar devotion. And so here you can see uh, from the Padma Purana, uh, I got this off of the Veda base, I mean the, the folio. Uh, um, uh, so that's been uh, done by ISKCON devotees, the word-for-word -word translation, which is always helpful. Uh, and so it begins with, uh, uh, and we'll go over, we'll go over some of these in detail. Uh, some of them are more problems for us than others. Uh, most of us in the West have not been very much attached to demigod worship before, and so uh, uh, we sometimes are more inclined to disrespect the demigods than we are to confuse them with Krishna. But at any rate, uh, other things are more. Uh, but the first one, of course, is is called Satam uh, Ninda, <clears throat> is a blaspheming of the devotees. Usually, this is referred to as Sadhu Ninda, but it's Satam Ninda here, blasphemy of the devotees. Here this is described as the greatest defense against the holy name. So one, one can understand uh, these devotees are those who are engaged in preaching the glories of the holy name. In other words, <clears throat> this, this offense is, um, is uh, also an offense, this offense against uh, devotees or sadhus or Satam 
is also an offense against the Holy Name because these are people who are servants of the Holy Name, therefore dear to the Holy Name, so the Holy Name is offended. Um, the next is um, to consider the names of Shiva or Brahma to be equal level the holy name of Lord Vishnu. You notice uh, to see them or consider them this way is an offense. You may notice that some of the offenses are mental. Uh, uh, so um, if we commit a sin mentally, there's no reaction, we're told, in the Kali Yuga. But some offenses are mental, so there's a difference between sins and offenses. Uh, you can commit an offense that may not be a sin, but all sins are offenses. And offenses may also be, as this one is, mental. So blasphemy of devotee, maybe it's worse to, to say it, but it's even bad in the mind. Uh, this one is itself a mental offense. Then uh, the, the one that's simple in Sanskrit, Gurur Avajna, to have a, a, here described as a material conception of the spiritual master, to disobey the order of the spiritual master, consider him an ordinary person. That is to say, uh, this, those are the two different ways of saying the same thing. The instructions of the spiritual master should not just be considered somebody's opinion. Uh, but are actually coming from the representative of Krishna and should be taken in that way. And then Shruti Shastra Nindanam, the same word as in Satam Nindanam, Ninda, the Shruti Shastra Nindam, blaspheming the Vedic literature or literature in pursuance of the Vedic version. Then for Arthavadaha, and to give some interpretation. Uh, Arta means a purport, to make up your mundane, your own purport uh, to the Vedas, your own uh, explanations. Uh, 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 and consider the glories of the holy name to be uh, imagination, kalpanam, or exaggeration sometimes this is said. Uh, to commit sins on the strength of chanting the holy name. Uh, um, um, uh, so, to, to, to in, other, in other words, uh, well, we know what this means. Uh, I think uh, to consider the chanting of Hare Krishna mantra to be one of the auspicious ritualistic. Here it says mantras in the Vedas as fruitive activities, the same as Shuba Kriya. Sarva Shupada Kriya, all kinds of auspicious things like Dharma, Vrata, Tyaga, Puta, all those things that people do uh, in the, uh, on their course of Vedic religion for a material auspicious result. This is to think it's like that. It's fruit of activity. And then to give something auspicious like the Holy Name. Uh, auspicious instructions in the Holy Name to those who do not want to hear it and have no faith in it. Um, and then, uh, and then you see. Uh, oh, let me go back. In the seventh offense, Dharma Bhakti Chaya to consider the cha uh, to think that the 
And to consider the chanting of Hare Krishna is one of the auspicious ritualistic activities. It has at the end of that api pramadaha. Api pramadaha. Uh, uh, and that's dropped out later on and discussed separately. Uh, and I, I give an analysis of why we say there are ten offenses and we always say eleven. Uh, because this is the uh, this is the other one, api pramadaha, inattentiveness, which appears here uh, uh, in, in in this verse, but is not mentioned here. It's mentioned later on, after the list of the ten. Uh, and then to, uh, as we usually say, maintain material attachments, uh, even after understanding so many instructions in the matter. We also say not to have complete faith in the holy name. That's here with the Sanskrit also. Uh, uh, you've heard the glories and still you haven't, uh, uh, you still don't, uh, you still don't give up your material attachments and that's an offense. And then api pramadaha, inattentiveness while chanting. Now what I've done is, the reason uh, this, uh, uh, we have this uh, uh, different counting is that from the Harinam Shintamani of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and from the nectar of the devotion, the offenses are listed in a different way. And as you can see, I, I've done it here. So that we see what happens, that Bhakti, what Bhaktivinoda Thakur does is, uh, is he combines um, he he uh, see what he does is what we have is five and six he has is five to think that the excellences and divine qualities of the holy name are imaginary and so to interpret the scriptural glorification of the holy name he lists as one offense and then then therefore he has, uh, as number nine, to be inattentive while chanting. He drops it out as a, as, as a, um, as a separate offense. Whereas the list of nectar devotion doesn't list inattentiveness as a separate offense. And uh, why exactly, I don't know. But that's, uh, uh, but that's the way the case is. So I've given you. Uh, the list of the ten offenses from the nectar of devotion, uh, a, a list that Prabhupada gives from uh, uh, in, in, in Srimad Bhagavatam with a little kind of purport on them. Uh, and uh, then also from the Adi Lila, uh, he gives, which is the same list as from the Harinam Shantamani, Prabhupada gives there. So, uh, so anyway, whatever the reason, we, we accept that this, uh, these are the offenses against, uh, against the holy name. So we should know them, we should study them, we should go over them, and we'll, we'll have a chance to go over some of them. We can't do the whole thing, but we should study them uh, uh, quite carefully, because our life depends upon it. <laughs> That's a fact. Yes. This we're talking that's that may be an offense, but it's not an offense against the holy name. Holy name against the holy name is when you blaspheme the servants of the holy name. 
blaspheming non-devotees is another thing. I would say it may not be good, but we're talking specifically about the holy name. Now, I, uh, I want to look at uh, some instructions on spiritual advancement, which is called the Shishastika prayers. I haven't duplicated for you, but these, if you look at the uh, last, I think it's the last chapter of, of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Anchalila, which is chapter 20, and it's called the Shishastika prayers. Uh, there's, uh, there's probably there's very uh, interesting translations of them, and also what, what it is is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recites the prayer, and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives a, the prayer in Sanskrit, and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives in Bengali a kind of a purport. Uh, and um, if you don't pay attention to the some things you won't notice that, that, that sometimes you're looking at a Sanskrit text and sometimes you're looking at a Bengali uh, uh, purport to the text. So the Shishastika prayers begins by really listing all the inauspicious things that come about when the holy name is properly cultivated. Um, and uh, so uh, and that's the that's the that's the the uh, Sri Krishna uh, Vijayate means let there be all victory for the Sri Krishna Sangatan. The victory is when all these auspicious things are manifest. Chaitanya Darpana Marjanam. Well, I, I'll just go read the, read the the, uh, the Bengali purport. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says uh, there's. Uh, from the, from the chanting of the holy name, Papa Samsaranashana, uh, there's the uh, destruction or annihilation of material existence uh, re that results from sins. It destroys all sins. This we already know. This comes from the, the intermediate stage of chanting, that it destroys all sins. Chitta Shuddhi, uh, it cleanses the heart, and then uh, sarva bhakti sadhana udgama it awakens all the all the, the the processes the sadhana of all different kinds of devotional service this is what happens uh, so the very beginning we see that this refers to actually the the uh, the clearing stage and then he says uh, krishna prema udgama there's the awakening of love for krishna uh, prema amrita asvadana, the tasting of transcendental bliss. Krishna prapti, the attainment of the lotus, lotus feet of Krishna, and always immersed in the great ocean of the nectar of devotional service. This is the pure stages being described. Um, so this is this is the description of the glories of 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 the things that happen as a result of the holy name. Then, if that's, if that's the first verse, the second verse actually discusses the obstacles. And then it says in the text, after saying this verse and giving this little explanation, then it says that lamentation and humility uh, awoke within Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he began reciting another of his own verses. 
By hearing the meaning of that verse, one can forget all unhappiness and lamentation. Uh, so the, the, here are the obstacles. Uh, and simultaneously, while this verse gives the obstacles, it also gives the solution to the obstacles. <laughs> and that's why it says it both awakens lamentation, humility, and it destroys them at the same time. This is the verse, of course, Nam Nam Akari Bahuda Nijasarvishaktis, that he says, Your. But let me read you Prabhupada's translation for this. Um, My Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, in your holy name there is all good fortune for the living entity, and therefore you have many names, such as Krishna and Govinda, by which you expand yourself. You have invested all your potencies in those names, and there are no hard and fast rules for remembering them. There is no niyamitaha. There's, there's no particular uh, regulative principles. What this means is that uh, if, if you want to chant Gayatri Mantra properly, there's so many rules for doing it. It's supposed to be done at a certain time. You're supposed to be clean. You're supposed to be faced in a certain direction. You're supposed to uh, be uh, have received initiation uh, uh, in the mantra by, by becoming uh, receiving... Uh, uh, Diksha, not so with the holy name. Right? So there's no hard and fast rules for remembering. So the, these these words, this is the same word niyama, is used in yoga, yama, niyama, the, the prohibitions and, and so on. That's not there. But still there's something. Uh, and here it is. My dear Lord, although you bestow such mercy upon the fallen conditioned souls by liberally teaching your holy names, and there, here is inserted, I am so unfortunate, durdaivam. Durdaiva means misfortune. And here's something that we don't see directly in the Sanskrit, but is obviously expanded out of the commentaries. I am so unfortunate that I commit offenses while chanting the holy name, and therefore I do not achieve attachment for chanting. So here, the, the, the mis- why I'm so misfortunate, I have no attraction, is the way. But here, Prabhupada has put in explicitly, I commit offenses. Because I commit offenses, therefore, uh, there's no attraction uh, for this. Uh, so... Uh, and the reason, the reason that that one should uh, uh, that this becomes the, the, the describing the obstacles, it's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's confession of offenses that actually now shows us how to get past this obstacle. Uh, now, how do I deal with offenses? That's the next instruction in the third verse. What is what, in what frame of mind or condition can I deal with offenses? The first thing is I have to acknowledge them, I, I, and I have to say yes, I, I am committing offenses. If one is proud and says, you know, no, I'm not doing this and uh, not very serious about it, then it won't work. 
So after saying this verse, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu continued, O Swarup Damodar Goswami and Ramananda Roy, hear from me the symptoms of how one should chant the Hare Krishna mantra to awaken very easily one's dormant love for Krishna. And then he gives the conditions in the third verse, Trinad Api Sunichena Taror Ivasahishnuna. One who thinks himself lower than grass, tolerant, more tolerant to the tree, does not expect personal honor, ready to give all respects to others, Kirtaniya Sadahari, that person can chant the holy name uh, Sada, uh, always. Uh, very easily always chant the holy name Prabhupada and translate it uh, here. Uh, and so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explains these are the symptoms of one who chants the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Although he is very exalted, he thinks himself lower than the grass on the ground. And like a tree, he tolerates everything in two ways. When the tree is cut down, it does not protest. And when it is drying up, it does not ask anyone from water, for water. Uh, so these are some of the things that Dear Govinda Prabhu was talking about in Bhagavatam class this morning, this attitude. Uh, doesn't protest when it's being mistreated uh, and the tree delivers its fruits, flowers and whatever else it possesses to anyone and everyone. It's magnetic. It, it tolerates scorching heat and torrents of rain and yet it, yet it still gives shelter to others. In spite of uh, your own difficulties or suffering, you don't say to somebody else, I got troubles of my own, go away. Uh, still. So one is this, like grass and like a tree. The grass lets everybody step on, on it without protesting. The tree tolerates everything and yet still remains uh, generous, open-hearted, and magnanimous. Uh, and then he goes, uh, although a Vaishnava is the most exalted person, he's prideless and gives all respects to everyone, knowing everyone to be the resting place of Krishna. So this is the humility. It may be advanced and exalt, is exalted, but the actual Vai, Vaishnava does not think himself in this way. That's the symptom, actually, of a Vaishnava. If one hears the holy name in this manner, he will certainly awaken his dormant love for the lotus feet of Krishna. So those, those first three verses really cover uh, our, our, our topic, uh, how to chant the holy name in this, in the uh, clearing uh, stage when these things is, uh, are there. He um, goes on to comment, um, whenever there's a relationship of love of Godhead, its natural symptom is that the devotee does not think himself a devotee. Instead, he always thinks he has not even a drop of love for Krishna. And that's the comment on, on that one. So, so from this we can see, uh, it, be, it becomes clear from this that that uh, that uh, uh, 
first verse, what is the result of, of chanting, which is some of the things we described as, 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 as the result of the, the clearing stage, and as, of course that's followed by the, the perfectional stage. Second, what is the obstacle that I have offenses? But already, if there's recognition or acknowledgement of those offenses, uh, then uh, that's the way through the obstacle. Uh, and then there has to be, that, should, that, that recognition means ultimately that one is, in pos his position or controlling attitude is one of humility and of frankness. Uh, so we'll talk about all those different, uh, different uh, those attitudes, uh, what to do, uh, and maybe even how to get to those attitudes if they're not there. Um, now, when we, of course, our first thing is we have to determine, first of all, yes, I'm not seeing Krishna, therefore I'm committing offenses. I know that. Therefore, I have to, have to do a, a little inventory what may those offenses be? I just have to assume they're there. I may not be aware that I'm doing this or that or the other thing, but somewhere along the line I'm doing something. And so I should say, I should try to discover what is it, uh, and just assume it's there. Uh, what have you got to lose? Uh, I, somewhere I'm offending Vaishnavas. It must be, for example. I'm not aware of doing it, but somehow I'm doing it. So then I, I start to become scrupulous and careful in all these different things. I start to think of the different, uh, I must be uh, disobeying the orders of the spiritual master. Let me try to understand those orders better. Let me try to execute them. Let me inquire like this. Um, so this should be, this should be the, the activities of a devotee. But um, from Harinam Chintamani, we get a, a, a hint from Bhaktivinoda Thakur about the position of this offense known as inattentiveness or pramada. I put two different kind, two different translations in here of Harinam Chintamani about this offense known as pramada. Bhaktivinoda Thakur d d dedicates a whole uh, chapter to it, and I've only got the beginning uh, of that uh, of that chapter. I, I didn't want to increase the expenses of the management of this institution. Um, so he says that if somehow or other you're careful of avoiding all other offenses and you're still not de developing uh, pure love, that means this offense is there in some form or another. But then he says, uh, 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 where does he say it? I have to get it in my copy, I've got it marked. Um, th but th then he says here that uh, it is also the the, the uh, oh yeah, here it is. Pramada means madness, but inattention and carelessness are also synonyms of this word. Here it says, inattentive chanting sows the seeds of anarthas, which soon develop in the heart. And in the other translation, 
this is put like this, that uh, pramada may meet madness, but here the meaning is, I think this is a better translation myself, pramada may meet madness, but here the meaning is inattention or carelessness. It is from this offenses that all other types of offenses spring. That I think is a little more precise and clear what he's saying. Uh, in, other, in other words, if we are not trying uh, to rid ourselves of this offense, inattentiveness or pramada, we will not be very successful as a rule in becoming free from the other offenses. So therefore, uh, this, this particular offense needs special care and attention. Um, um, now, uh, I think that for us, um, the, although I think you can be inattentive in all kinds of arenas, or distracted in all kinds of arenas of Krishna consciousness, doing your service while not paying attention, particularly, and chanting while not paying attention, also in, in, in Sankirtan or Kirtan. It's, so um, the, to, to practice becoming free from this offense, the central place to do this, the focal place, is during Japa. Uh, when we chant Japa, uh, everything becomes a little s simplified. Uh, there's, there's simply uh, um, uh, myself, my mind, the holy name, and that's all. There's the, 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 the number of actors on the stage or in the, in the arena are, are very few. Uh, so life is a little simpler because the number of variables are reduced. And uh, then I have to concentrate my mind on the holy name. Now most of us find this initially quite difficult. Um, uh, and there will be some kind of inattentiveness. Bhaktivinoda Thakur discusses different types. And as far as I can see, when you apply these to the act of japa, one kind of inattentiveness is the tendency to fall asleep. Uh, uh, and then another kind is distraction. The mind going to this thing or that thing or another thing, not thinking about the holy name, uh, thinking about something else, having your attention diverted elsewhere while chanting. And the third is that even when those two are absent, still not having uh, as much um, uh, intensity as one could have, one has to develop also in intensity uh, of the holy name. So this means that first of all we have to make arrangements not to be sleepy uh, while chanting the holy name. That's the particular predilection uh, to falling asleep. Uh, one has to have sufficient sleep ahead of time. I, I suggest that uh, many times the solution is the night before rather than than um, than uh, the morning. Uh, sometimes uh, people have to make sure they have uh, means of staying awake. Maybe they should not sit down, but should walk or stand. Uh, but anyway, one has to do this uh, uh, and somehow or other make arrangements 
not to fall asleep during japa. Uh, I used to, uh, when in my very young days when I was a temple president and could do things like this, I used to force all the devotees to stay in the temple room during the morning program. They were not allowed out. Uh, when I instituted this policy, there was uh, several nervous breakdowns. And uh, we had, had everybody chant their rounds together in the temple room. And I noticed a lot of people were falling asleep. So I got a, a bottle which had a trigger and a nozzle. And that could, uh, you know, could go a good uh, uh, three, six meters, you know, it was pretty powerful. <laughs> And uh, that was a little distracting too, by the way. But anyway, uh, and uh, you know, then then then, then uh, we pass it around so people could squirt the. If you get sleepy, if you just put water in your eyes, it wakes you up. That helps. Uh, then I had people stand up. And then uh, there was a, one guy, you know, every so often he'd be chanting a drop and you'd hear this thud as his body hit the floor and fell asleep while standing. <laughs> then I discovered actually he learned how to chant in his sleep, which I think is a, a nice achievement. <laughs> <laughs> but that devotee actually is, is still in this movement to this day. I mean, this was like 1973 or 74, because of, I think it was, it was a good thing to do. But you, you have to have to have to work on this one. It's a it's a serious matter, not not falling asleep while while chanting. But then the other thing uh, and and uh, the obstacle is thinking of other things. That's of course been especially difficult for those of us who are thinkers by profession. Um, the, the first time uh, when I became a devotee, I uh, I was in graduate school, and I invited one of my professors over. Uh, to attend our program. So I saw him in the RT at the Sunday feasts, and he was sort of dancing and clapping, and I was amazed, because I knew he was not you know, much of a believer at this point in his life. But he was really participating with great enthusiasm, and I said it to him afterwards, you know, how, how did you like the chanting? He says, it was great, I got so many good ideas. <laughs> Um, uh, I've had to learn how to resist uh, getting good ideas in that way. And sometimes they do come, and either if I think it's a really great idea, I have to write it down and, and forget about it, or just have the faith that if it's a really good idea, I'll get it later on. Um, but the mind tends to wander. Uh, I think uh, Bhaktivedanta Swami is talking about some of the, the brain states and things like that, but when you chant, it's easier to go into some kind of different kind of mind and, and, and you can free associate very easily. And after a while you notice that your mind has wandered to something else. Now, if you don't do anything about it, uh, if you just spend all your time uh, letting your mind wander, uh, then that's nam aparat. Uh, uh, and maybe your chanting will become nish 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 nam 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 nish 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 nam 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 like that. Uh, uh, 
you can even be worse. You, uh, you can chant while watching television, uh, talking to other people. Sometimes I remember talking to somebody and hear this click, click, click. <laughs> and I realize he's got one of these clickers and is doing his rounds. I have a very big prejudice against clickers. Uh, I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever chanted a, a good rounds on a clicker. I mean, there's some circumstances where they may be necessary, but I, I would I would avoid them somehow. Or other, it leads tends to lead to to this uh, this uh, inattentiveness. It's, uh, I mean, you should chant all the time. Uh, that's clear. Uh, to to drive a car while you're driving a car, it's a good idea to chant the holy name. But if it's your japa, that's the time of special attention, exclusive attention to Krishna. I think that that that's what the japa means. And inattentiveness, it, it, it means that you, you've, uh, when, you, when you chant, you're calling upon the Lord, you're inviting somebody uh, to your heart. It's like inviting somebody important to your house. Some big guest is coming. They show up and you're not there to meet them. You're in the backyard checking out the tomato plants or something. Uh, that's, that's rude. You have, you, have, you have to, it's rude. So similarly, it's rude to call upon the holy name and not pay attention. That's just, it's a simple thing. So, so for japa, uh, one, one has to concentrate on the holy name. Uh, and when the mind wanders, bring it back to the lotus feet of the holy name. This becomes a struggle. But as soon as we start doing that, yeah, the mind will wander, but as soon as you notice, bring it back. Then you're on the clearing stage. Uh, then, uh, and, and it may mean that, that your, your japa becomes very difficult struggle with the mind. Well, that's what we're about, is this difficult struggle with the mind. Um, uh, and uh, one should uh, try to... That's one reason that it's very good to chant in the morning is the mind is less agitated. It's very hard if you've been disturbed mentally to chant good japa. If I've had a big fight with my wife or somebody, it's much harder to concentrate on the holy name. You tend to think of what you could have said and all those sorts of things, you know, and the, the replies you could have made or, you know, or maybe the apologies you should make, but because your mind is... I think it requires sometimes an act of faith not to engage in problem-solving activity. In other words, I, while chanting japa, the, the act of faith is that this will put me in a position to solve these problems so I don't have to worry. In a sense, I'm letting Krishna take care of it so I can just chant, chant japa. Uh, it's, it's, um, anyway, we're, we think our worry uh, sustains the universe. It doesn't. Krishna sustains the universe. So anyway, it's good to do it in the morning before there's been a lot of mental agitation has had a chance to develop. Um, and uh, well, when I was a new temple president, my GBC warned me, says, no scheming during Japa. <laughs> uh, so you wouldn't scheme during uh, 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 Japa. Um, of course, if you're in the pure stage, then you don't have to struggle. Th then the problem is not concentrating on the holy name, paying attention to anything else, in a way. Your mind is glued to the holy name very thoroughly. Um, so as soon as, soon as, as, as we 
we, we try to deal with that uh, offense, we come to the, the clearing stage in our uh, japa. If we've not been accustomed to doing this, it will be enormously difficult because we will have had the bad habit of uh, catching up on our sleep during japa or uh, free associating during japa. And it will be, become difficult for us uh, to, to change that. Bad habits uh, are hard to come over. But if one is diligent and persistent, gradually it will become easier and easier and easier. One should also try for intensity. Now, intensity means that we chant with some emotional force. Uh, we can't really control, we, we can't summon up emotions at will, at least I can't. Uh, but attention I can summon up at will. Uh, that's, that's within in, in, in the power of my will. Uh, I, can't, I cannot force myself to love Krishna, but I can, in a way, force myself to pay attention. But in that attention are the seeds of love. Uh, this, because Krishna will reciprocate, uh, we pay attention to him, he pays attention to us, and therefore in, 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 that, in that attentiveness there will come contact with Krishna the presence of Krishna will begin to make itself known in the form of the dawning twilight of the holy name uh, that will be there uh, but certainly everybody knows to love somebody means you pay attention uh, but it can work the other way around too you pay attention and uh, you begin to love um, and especially this is true in connection with Krishna the fact is, of course, especially if you're an intellectual, you discover that if you pay attention enough to anything, it becomes interesting. <laughs> Whatever it is, if you look into it intensely enough, it's interesting. Which is another form of distraction. You can end up reading many books. <laughs> but, um, but that's a fact, that, 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 that if there's attention, then there will be interest, and if there's interest, uh, there will be there will be love, and especially in directly in connection with Krishna and the holy name. Uh, Prabhupada describes in, in that uh, little uh, uh, on chanting, he describes the chanting as the like the cry of a child for his mother. Uh, these words are all three in the vocative case. The Sanskrit has different uh, cases. Uh, English barely does have any, but you know, German has four. And, uh, but Sanskrit's got eight. It's got a nominative case and an accusative case, but it's got these other things that we don't have much locative, where something is, uh, as well as a genitive, possessive case, and so on. And the endings of the words change according to the, it's in what they call an inflected language. But, it's, but there's a vocative. So all three words are, are in the vocative. Uh, uh, so it means you're calling on somebody. It's not just... Uh, and for, for the words Krishna and Rama, the vocative endings are the same as the root of the word. I mean, if Krishna is the subject of the sentence, 
It will have uh, like a, a, an S or a H with a dot under it at the end, like Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. That, that's Krishna in the, in the nominative case, in the case of the subject. So this is this Krishna without any ending is evocative case. So you're actually calling to Krishna, calling Rama. And uh, Hare is the evocative of Hara. We're calling Srivati Radharani. Um, and Prabhupada mentions in another place wherever there is a prayer there is a request there should be a request for a benediction mm. uh, you should be asking for something uh, and we should also should be asking for something it's not that we shouldn't be asking we should just not be asking for anything fruitive what should we be asking for we should be asking for devotional service as Prabhupada translates the mantra, please engage me in your service. So that's definitely the request. And what service do we want to be engaged in? Well, we want to be engaged in the service of pure chanting or attentive chanting. So in this way, uh, 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 what we're asking for is to do what we're actually doing, but to do it better. So if the desire is there for chanting with attention and care and love, then we can have the desire to do that. Uh, uh, and so in this way, at some point we can contact some feeling, some desire, and begin to also chant with uh, attentiveness, with, with emotional force, just please give me attentive chanting, please help my mind from being distracted. Please destroy my anarthas, my, the obstacles that stand in the way. And in this way, I think it's possible to develop uh, 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 concentration and emotional uh, force. Um, so uh, these are these are the some of the some of the. Uh, um, I think this is the, the the key thing to work on. And one should be in this frame of mind of acknowledging uh, these uh, offenses. Uh, this this framework, uh, this, this, this mood of humility. Or you can also call it uh, um, honesty or, or uh, frankness. Um, that, that is important. I don't have my file up here, just a second. There's a verse uh, from the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Lord Chaitanya said, I cannot tolerate seeing the face of a person who's accepted the renounced order of life, but who still talks intimately with a woman. Then Prabhupada says here in the purport, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments that Sharlata, or simplicity, is the first qualification of a Vaishnava. Whereas duplicity or cunning behavior is a great offense against the principles of devotional service. Uh, oh, it's on the handout there, page 18. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's an important principle. And, and part of that frankness is the willingness to acknowledge shortcomings, difficulties, sins, offenses, and so on. Duplicity means you, you, you 
develop a complicated mentality where you don't recognize them. You either hide them from others or especially you hide them from yourselves. Then you get a complicated mentality, which Prabhupada calls as duplicity. So this simplicity doesn't mean to be simple-minded. It just it means a kind of, uh, of straightforwardness and not concealing uh, or being in denial and so on like that. And therefore this, this uh, humility is, is required. Uh, and so, so there has to be this, this, this mood. Now, I'm, go I'm going to depart a little bit uh, here from, from what I've learned from uh, previous acharyas and just tell you a little bit about my own experience when, when I started to contemplate the holy name in this way. And it may, may uh, uh, apply to, to other people. I found out when I tried to start, when I tried to chant attentively, that at a certain point um, uh, I would feel a kind of uh, pe peculiar kind of uncomfortableness. Uh, on the one hand, I, I would, I would um, experience something which I would describe as maybe a, a beginning of the beginning of the dawning of the twilight of the holy name or something. But I, and that would make me feel very uncomfortable. I, 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 I never felt in any other condition but a strange kinds of... And then I would start to get distracted, you know, because I, I felt a, a mental kind of uncomfortableness, which didn't have any particular... Uh, I couldn't see where it came from. And so I just decided I would just tolerate that. Uh, mental uncomfortableness and then I realized then as I did that this mental uncomfortableness uh, turned into a fact that I was feeling very very bad about myself uh, and I, of course I didn't like feeling bad about myself and why was I feeling bad about myself well, I, I actually started to feel really bad uh, and uh, almost, yeah, real grief, actually. And uh, the grief was, as far as I could see, was that I had spent so much time uh, away from Krishna. I just felt really, really terrible that, that I could have ever turned away from Krishna and spent any time in the material world. This seemed to me to be like the worst of all possible crimes that was so infathomably bad that it was almost intolerable to think about it. And it was very, very painful. And, uh, and, but I, uh, um, but it was also, it was, it was a, 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 a healthy pain. While it was painful, it was uncomfortable. It's like sometimes you get one of those massages. It hurts really bad, but you can tell it's a good hurt. You know, I, 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 it was, it was, it was, it was good. And um, uh, I mean, I haven't really exactly heard anything like that experience described in any of our literature. But anyway, those, that literature was written by great devotees. They, they were, most of them had descended from the spiritual world even, you know, to, to, to participate in the Krishna conscious movement. I'm not one of those people. I'm coming up from the depths 
and I may have a lot of a lot of uh, things to get through that they don't even have to worry about. Uh, and uh, so this uh, this kind of um, this kind of ability to accept that 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 that. that that unhappy, that sorrow with oneself, I think, is important. If if you start to feel bad, don't worry about it. It's good to feel bad, because in a way, that's just part of acknowledging uh, what, in fact, we know we are in theory. People who have turned away from Krishna, but it's a fact that when you begin to com come into contact with Krishna again, e even in the form of nama vasa, you will start to feel bad about having ever left, and. Uh, don't let that distract you. Uh, I think sometimes people have trouble with that 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 feeling, or even with humility, because uh, because somehow or other humility uh, they can can mix up with low self-esteem. Uh, I, I guess it's a problem, especially in in Kali Yuga, that people have a debased sense of their own self-worth. I guess it comes from not having loving parents, from being neglected or abused as a child, or whatever it is, but it seems to be a general problem uh, of low self-esteem. When I've gone around the world talking about different places about humility, somebody raises their hand and says uh, that uh, in, in terms of modern psychology, you know, this hum you're supposed to feel proud uh, you're not supposed to feel humility. That uh, that the, hum the injunctions to be humble has been used to beat devotees over the head to make them think they're worthless, they're no good, they're nothing, lower than the straw on the street. You know <laughs> all this other kind of stuff, and they can't. They they. So humility and low self-esteem are two different things. Low self-esteem means you think yourself worthless. Uh, Humility uh, means uh, that you, that um, uh, you, you you can experience humility if, if you understand that you are worth something. Um, uh, and, and, and I'm worth something not because of anything I am, but because uh, uh, somehow or other, like in the context of Japa. I am actually able to chant the holy name. That that Krishna has made himself available to me. If Krishna hasn't made himself available to, to me, uh, if, if Krishna cares enough to make himself available to me, I must be worth something to Krishna. And so our sense of self-worth comes from we should be confident that we are loved by Krishna. Not only that we are loved by Krishna, but that we are loved by Krishna unconditionally. So one needs that confidence. And I think if you have that confidence, then you won't mind being humble. You can, you can, you can put up with the actual acknowledgement of our sins and offenses without being devastated uh, to where I'm worthless, I'm useless, I'm damned, I'm going to hell forever. It's not that case at all. Um, and it's not that, that, that when devotees become more advanced, they stop feeling humble. On the contrary, uh, they feel more and more humble. Um, 
So one, one, it, it, it's, it's simply not allowed. And, and I, I think that, that you should understand. One of the things that made me understand this is when I, I think about what, what Srila Prabhupada did. That uh, he, if you study his life, we see that he took endless trouble and went through endless efforts. A person like Srila Prabhupada to come to the West and underwent so many troubles. And the reason he did it was for me. Uh, Krishna has his devotees do things like this so that I'm sitting here in America doing unspeakable un things. And yet, Prabhupada comes to save me. So how can I then turn around and say, I'm not worth it? Uh, so that's how our worth is established, by the fact that, 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 that Krishna... Uh, and Krishna's devotees have, will expend endless amount of efforts to save us. Look what Krishna does to save us. He makes a material world, he descends again and again. How can you say you're not worth anything? So that, that, kind, that, kind, of, uh, that kind of low self-esteem, I, I think, is a misunderstanding. Uh, of, of, of it's very different from, from humility. So. I can just inform you that no self-esteem is not allowed. <laughs> and if you have some confidence that you're worth this to Krishna, then, then go ahead and, and you can stand feeling humble. There won't be any, any obstacles. That's just something based on my own experience. And so therefore I find that, that if we practice on the clearing stage, some things that are enacted in other ways and in other religious traditions, happen to a devotee. That is to say, uh, uh, contrition, uh, confession, uh, forgiveness, uh, and reconciliation. All those things take place. It's just part of the, the clearing stage of Japa. So I got, tomorrow we can talk a little more, and uh, we have some time for questions now, and then, then I think most of tomorrow we can also spend. Time on questions. Any questions or comments? Yes. You mentioned this story. Devotee uh, should be like three, three not protest. Yeah. yeah. But what about different devotees have different characters? Somebody is more Brahminic, somebody is more you know, Rajasic, Kshatriya. Mm. They should develop the, the qualities of goodness, ultimately. If your duty requires you to protest on behalf of Krishna, that's another thing. But as far as myself, uh, uh, I, should, uh, I should patiently endure any suffering that comes and saying this is just a token of punishment. Dear Govinda talked about it this morning in class for my past sinful activities. This is how a devotee should be. And uh, if we're not able to, to uh, come to that platform, then that shows we have to work a little more on becoming free from, from anarthas. <coughs> Uh, so uh, uh, we may have a different tamastic nature, rajarsic nature, but our goal is ultimately to change that nature uh, uh, to the mode of goodness. That's the platform on which we can we can advance. Yes. Is it good to uh, force a child to cry? Is it what? Is it good to force a child to cry? Uh, as a rule, not, but I, I really don't uh, think I, I, I have time to talk about child raising. 
right now. I want to talk about this particular subject while we have some time. Anyone else? Yeah? Um, are you going to discuss the ten offenses? Because I had a question about one of them. Yeah, I'm going to discuss a few of them. We'll, t we'll, we'll save it for tomorrow. Yeah. Yes? Could you please illustrate the difference between offense and sin by one example? Oh, well, sure. Um, uh, uh, as I said, any, 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 if I, if I break one of the regular principles, that's a sin. Uh, it's also an offense because I'm disobeying the order of the spiritual master. Uh, if, if, I, if I consider the names of the demigods to be equal to the name of Lord Vishnu, that may not be, technically speaking, a sin. Uh, I'm not breaking any of the rules for which Yamaraj would put me into hell. I can still be materially pious and believe that, but it's an offense against the holy name. Is that clear? So, so there's a, there, there can be a, there will be a difference like that. So we have, so we have to guard against, since all, all sins are offenses, uh, we have to uh, guard against sinning, but we also have to guard against those things that are maybe just just offenses or just, just mental. Uh, uh, to maintain material attachments it, it is not a sin. It can, certainly can lead to a sin. That's another thing. Uh, but it's an offense against the Holy Name. So as I said, our problem, is, is the fact that there are offenses in the beginning, that's to be understood. Uh, uh, our problem really um, at this point is not the offenses. Our problem is that there are offenses that we are not trying to get rid of. That's the problem. We should be clear of that. As soon as we make a, 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 a diligent effort, we, we consecrate ourselves, we pledge ourselves to working toward coming free from offenses, and we're diligent at that. The, the success we have may vary from day to day, from time to time. Sometimes it'll seem bad, sometimes it'll seem, seem good. But as, so long as we're diligent and, and consistent, uh, we'll be making advancement. Yes? Um, different points this week, well mainly in seminars we've been talking about chanting attentively in the Bhagavatam class yesterday when we were talking about yeah. Yeah, I did that to show that I didn't have to discuss it now, but Bhagavatam is the same process. One has to hear attentively, with rapt attention. Yeah. I was wondering if you could maybe comment more, maybe either today or tomorrow, on the connection between the two, the importance of hearing Bhagavatam attentively, chant attentively. Well, it's, it's, clear, it's clear that, that if, if, if we're chanting attentively, we'll be able to hear Bhagavatam more attentively, and vice versa. It's really the same process. And in some ways, uh, some ways, um, hearing Bhagavatam attentively uh, uh, sometimes depends upon the, the skill of the speaker. <laughs> Where, whereas, uh, whereas at least that's eliminated from consideration with Japa, so Japa's a little simpler. So some, some speakers can make it easier to be attentive than other speakers. Uh, and uh, so there may be certain things that are, what should I say, a little out of my control. Another thing that's important is attentiveness during, uh, during um, 
kirtan, sankirtan, we, we chant together when we do kirtan. Uh, and I, I have some, um, I think that's something we don't pay very much attention to. I, I myself uh, find it very distracting when, when people seem to stop paying attention to holy name and watch some acrobatic performances, uh, for example, of, of dancers. Um, that, that, that I think may be a distraction. I don't want to you know, pour rain on anybody's parade. I know people like this very much, but very often uh, I see during kirtan that, uh, that uh, things develop that are not conducive to attentiveness. Kirtan should be easier because you've unified uh, words and music and dance all together in the, the perfect you know, work of, you know, in the 19th century people were obsessed with the idea of a unified original work of art that unified all these things together, dance, and dance, uh, uh, words, music, and audience participation. This was supposedly the unified work of art of the Greeks. There it is when we, we, we chant together the holy name. That is it. And, uh, and, uh, but uh, all that's supposed to have our concentrate our minds more and more on the holy name. So one could be inattentive also in different ways in kirtan. And I, th I think we need to spend some more time on that one also. And the, all, all these things will help each other um, uh, in, the, in, in our... In, uh, they're all different forms of sadhana, actually. Anything else? Okay, thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada. Yeah.